Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The attacks continue in Israel. The bombs continue to fly from Hamas. The response continues with force. But how did this one start? And what's with people taking a look at President Trump and the Abraham Accords and saying, oh, like that mattered? You think this all has to do with moving an embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Since when is it wrong to recognize Hamas as a terrorist organization as it is? If you saw me on Newsmax just yesterday, man, you know, I delivered on that subject. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. Let's dig in deeper to what's going on, why it's going on, the response and how it stops. Aviv Ezra joins us right now. He is the Consulate General of Israel to the Midwest, based out of Chicago. He uh, cares for the entire Midwest region of the United States. Uh, Sir, it's always good to have you back. Let's start with uh, the basics. This began just a few days ago, if you will, this this specific bit of fighting. Uh, but the question is, how did this begin and how has it turned into the level of bombing, hundreds of bombs launched from Hamas into Israel, as we've seen? Well, good morning. And once again, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, Look, this was, as you said, extremely tense 48 hours. I just talked to my parents. They're sitting in shelters, uh, being bombed. Uh, Reminds me of the days of the Second World War. This is obviously unacceptable. Uh, Thousand rockets until now, millions in shelter, death, injured. And uh, I continue to ask the same question before we go into the roots of where it's coming from. But I continue to ask the same question that I've asked in the past, the WWAD question, what should America do? What would America do if something like this would have happened? If not a thousand, a hundred rockets would rain on, on your citizen or 10 rockets or one rocket will, will rain on the citizen. I know what America would do. America will exercise its right for self-defense. Uh, on this, uh, I believe, I would like to believe that's correct, but sometimes with uh, today's power structure, I'm not 100% sure. The reports are that you have dozens of Palestinians dead, you have Israelis dead. This all starts with, as I have read the reporting, rocks being thrown at Jews, at Israelis, at the Temple Mount. How did this specific fight escalate? Okay, so so first of all, you know, let's talk about what happened in the last three weeks. We're talking about a combination of uh, of uh, the Ramadan, the holy Muslim uh, month of Ramadan, and a political situation where Hamas was left out and uh, and uh, an election that was canceled, so Hamas was left out from an opportunity to take control of the of the Palestinian Authority, and they wanted to project relevance, and they were looking for an excuse. So what happened is that it began with terror attacks in Judea and Samaria, where they killed Jews. And then there were attacks against Jews and Israelis in the old city of Jerusalem. And then there were attacks at worshippers in the Western Wall from Al-Aqsa. And then they escalated it to rockets at Jerusalem, the same Jerusalem that supposedly they are attempting to protect. Now they're shooting at it. 
And then they escalated to rockets at the south part of Israel. And now they cover the entire state of Israel, as I mentioned, with a thousand rockets. But, but you know, the, the, the truth be told, Tony, that we need to zoom out and understand that this, these are just excuses that they're looking for in order to escalate the situation. Because we, what we have here is a choice between a radical, vicious, murderous re- regime in the shape of Hamas, or are we supporting a liberal democracy fighting for its life and democratic values, democracy's values in a tough neighborhood? Talking to Aviv Ezra, he is the Council General of Israel to the Midwest of the United States. Discuss with me, uh, if, if, if you would, sir. When you talk about a thousand rockets, a thousand missiles raining down on Israel, the the funding of this uh, comes from Iran. Iran funds Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. On this, I make no uh, disagreement. But from where are these missiles coming that a thousand missiles can land all over Israel? So you hit the nail on its head because the source of the financing is Iran, but it's not just the source of financing. It's the source of the technology, the source of the know-how, and the source of the ability, the self-ability for them to self-produce. What they've been doing since 2014, while Israel was investing in peace accords with other moderate Arab regimes, which, by the way, is working superb due to the previous administration's uh, initiative, uh, while we were working with moderate Arab regimes to build peace, they were preparing for war. And then they prepared in a way that they have their self-ability to produce more. They have the self-technology and the know-how from Iran. And they have the materials in what we call a dual-use material. So on the one hand, they're complaining that we are limiting uh, certain materials for them to, for example, construct uh, civilian homes, etc. But on the other hand, we know that they take this material and they use it to build rockets against us. No doubt about that. So you have, we know, we know as I said, Iran is, is doing the funding because this entire conversation still is uh, about Iran and Iran wanting to wipe Israel off the map. This is what brings in the conversation of President Joe Biden and brings in the conversation of the Abraham Accords and former President Donald Trump. Is it seen that because Joe Biden is now president of the United States, Hamas and Iran feel more emboldened to attack Israel because they believe that Israel does not have backup from the U.S.? Well, we know that uh, in that choice that I described between uh, uh, a liberal democracy fighting for its life and between a radical, vicious, murderous regime like Hamas, we know that the American people and the American elected officials uh, in a a transcending administration and in a bipartisan manner, and again, I'm putting aside certain radical elements, uh, are full gear supporting Israel's rights for self-defense. The Secretary of State... Uh, called the foreign minister, uh, Secretary of State Bill Blinken, uh, called Foreign Minister Ashkenazi, uh, the national security advisor called our national security advisor, and they understand that Israel cannot stand down while our citizens and civilians are being harassed and attacked on a daily basis. So now let's get into the heavy stuff, sir. Talking to Aviv Ezra, the Council General of Israel to the Midwest of the United States. 
I want to get into where this ends. I want to know from you, sir, what is Israel's plan? We've heard the talk from from Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I also would like to know where Benny Gans is on this, as he will soon be taking over, unless, of course, that's changed as well. It's Israeli politics. It's difficult to keep up. He has said that the response will be fierce. He has said, uh, he has even referred to it as attack. That's the quote that's attributed to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The question is, is this the moment that Israel says Hamas is no more? Is this the moment that Israel says we're fully prepared to take the Gaza Strip back? Is this Israel saying enough is enough? Or is this Israel being the standard Israel as we've seen it, which is sometimes, for some of us, far too kind, and saying as long as it stops, we'll try and figure out peace one more time? It's a, it's a very important junction, and I understand the distinction you're making. I, I think what's pretty clear to everybody is appeasing the appeasement uh, towards Hamas doesn't work. Appeasing them and trying to find, and this is what we try to do, to seek equilibrium with them. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work with an organization that seeks to annihilate who you are, what you are, and your entire existence. <laughs> the, only, the best thing that can happen with them is that you're kicking the can down the road. So the cabinet needs to make a decision. And as you said, the prime minister said that the gloves are off right now and go after all of the Hamas interests. And you can you can actually map them. There's a roadmap. There's a there are financial interests. There are uh, people that are uh, that are uh, Hamas interest in Gaza, Hamas interest in the West Bank, Hamas interest in even in Jerusalem. You have their uh Many of their operatives that are now in Israeli jail are still conducting and running the show from Israeli jails because we are not pressing them enough. There are many ways that we can do it. And I think you're right. The, the, the gentle approach, which could be called appeasement, does not work with a radical, vicious murder regime like Hamas. No doubt about it. I know sometimes I'm, I've been called very, very direct, and you and I have known each other for a little while now. This is not your first time on the show, so allow me to be a lot direct. Is Israel and Israeli leadership prepared for war with Iran, and can it happen now? Look, with Iran, uh, which, which you're zooming out now from the Hamas conflict to Iran, which I think you, you're doing in a, in, a, in a rightly manner, because at the end of the day, Hamas is a proxy of Iran. With Iran, we have a very clear um, uh, policy, and the, and the policy is that because of the same rationale that this is a, uh, a regime that uh, is sworn to annihilate Israel, we will make sure that they will not have nuclear capabilities uh, come, come down the road. I'm not going to elaborate exactly our roadmap and, and, uh, and our plans, but we are committed to that. And the reason we're committed to that, it's not because it's just a a game for us in the backyard or something. This is an existential threat for the state of Israel. And therefore, when we say that we're committed to prevent them from going nuclear, being able to have a red button with, a, with, with, with an opportunity to press it against us, is that we are committed with all the capacity that we have within our hands, including working with our friends that should understand that uh, having a radical regime like Iran with a nuclear capability is bad news, not just for their friends in Israel, not for their allies in the GCC countries, but rather for the entire world. Those friends would con- would include the United States. And there was no argument that when President Trump was president, uh, that it was. 
You have Joe Biden getting back into the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which is to say the Iran nuclear deal. You have uh, people who are part of his administration, like John Kerry, who have, according to sources, including the Iranians, been uh, giving information to the Iranians about Israeli movements and actions. Does Israel consider the Biden administration and therefore the United States a friend at this time and maybe a better question, a strong friend to join them in the fight against terrorism and Iran's spreading of terrorism? Look, when it comes to the JCPOA, we are very clear. We're very clear with the with this administration, with past administration. We think it's wrong to kick the can down the road. We think that sunset uh, provisions over there that uh, disappear after 10 years, 12 years, and get them to the nuclear uh, uh, path 10 years uh, from now is, is wrong because it's 10 years is nothing. It's short uh, distance in, in history. We think that uh, uh, we are not in 2015 anymore. This is a totally different ballgame. We know that they lie to the United States. We know they lie to the world. We know that they are uh, enriching for 60 percent which means that there's no other reason to do it unless you want to go for a military program. And we know that at the end of the day, these guys are very good negotiators. So we, uh, what we are doing with this current administration, by administration is making sure that, A, you know, we don't, allies should not be surprised. And again, it's not just Israel. It's also Bahrain and the UAE and Saudi and Egypt. Nobody wants, and Jordan, nobody wants to see Iran go nuclear. This is one of the biggest mistakes is that people think it's just an Israeli personal matter here. <laughs> this should be a European matter. This should be a Gulf country, GCC countries matter. It should be, of course, the United States matter. Nobody wants to see them go nuclear. And at the end of the day, I think the first thing is not to surprise allies. So we need to be part of, of the process. And, and also, when there is a friction, we have to do it in a smart way to prepare to prevent the other side from utilizing it against us. I don't disagree with anything you said, but it wasn't the, the, the question I asked. Do, do Israelis believe they have a friend in the Biden administration? We, we, know, we know President Biden for 47 years. We believe and we know that uh, his kishkes within inside, he's, uh, he's committed to Israel's right for self-defense. He's committed to Israel's right uh, for sovereignty. He is he's a, he's a big friend of Israel. Does that mean that we're not going to have frictions and we're going to have misunderstanding? No, it's, it's okay we're even within the families to have misunderstandings. But as I said before, the idea is not to surprise each other and the idea is to make sure that your allies' interests are taken care of while you're progressing with other interests around the world. And we are working to achieve that well, with the Biden administration. I, I agree with you that we didn't have that challenge with the Trump administration because we saw eye to eye on, I would say, 100% of the topics, including moving the embassy to Jerusalem, including recognizing our rights on the Golan Heights, including uh, many, many other topics, including JCPOA, of course, first and foremost. So I agree that the previous administration was 100% sync. It doesn't mean that we don't have a superb support from the Biden administration, but we do have uh, certain frictions that need to be addressed, and that's that's why we're that's why we have diplomats in in Washington and in Israel. Look, there are always family uh, squabbles, but it's important at times like these to know who is mishpuka. 
Aviv Ezra, <laughs> the Council General uh, from Israel to the Midwest. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you're in the U.S. or in Israel right now, uh, but certainly I hope for for uh, your, your parents uh, stay safe and stay well and stay healthy. And we will check in with you uh, possibly later uh, this week uh, and into the future weeks about what's been going on. Aviv Ezra, always a, a pleasure, so sir. Much. By the Thank way, you, you can so follow. Much. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray for the peace of Israel. Thank you so much. You can follow Aviv on Twitter at A-V-I-V-E-Z. That is Aviv Ezra. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So a guest at Six Flags, which I didn't even know was open, but I guess I should have, you know, I'm not surprised that it's open. Uh, a, a guest saying that she was kicked out of Six Flags in Oklahoma because her shorts were too short. Nice. Right? I, I haven't seen... Have have we seen the shorts, by the way? They were probably short. But how short is too short in today's world? Probably. Right? I I have Instagram and the Kardashians. Exactly how short is, is too short? I'm looking it up. And so police literally start yelling at this woman or, or confronting her. Park security, they deem too short, and they're like, "You you got to go." And I'm like, "I've seen I, those are short shorts. It's 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 a theme park. It's warm. I, I'm not surprised by by these things." We, uh, park security had approached her after she had been in the park for over two hours. She said she was told her shorts are too short and she would have to buy a new pair. When she refused, the situation escalated. She's been temporarily banned from the park. I will say that you can ask somebody to leave. You can't tell somebody they have to buy <laughs> new shorts. Provide her with new pants. Right. You can provide her. By the way, wouldn't that have been better for, for Six Flags? If Six Flags said, hey, listen, the shorts are too short. It's a family place. Look, we're, we're not judging you, but we do have rules. Here's a pair of Six Flags shorts on us. It'd be other, otherwise we have to ask you to leave. We're not here. You go. Wouldn't that? What, what's what's the actual cost of the shorts? Seven dollars. You're selling them for eighty two. Seven dollars. Wouldn't that have been a better use of their time? Look, because if she had complained about it and got public, be like, whoa, 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 they said your shorts are too short. Okay, wait a second, they're prudes or whatever. But they bought you a pair of shorts. They said, here, put on these or go. Right? That's pretty rational. Pretty rational indeed. One man's take. Liz Cheney is out of leadership. I've got that audio. And why I... Guys, I, I hate to say this. But I can't begin to tell you how little I care. It's Liz Cheney. Does she really think she has a beat on the Republican Party? I think I do. I'll take my shot. That's coming up next. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. found it fascinating 
earlier today, right? Um, I'm in studio today. I, I usually do the shows from home. You know, I do a morning radio show. I'm in studio. I got the TVs up, and there's CNN, and there's Fox. That just happens to be up on the TVs in the studio. I've got a couple screens open. I've got my phone working. We have got gas shortages all over the East Coast, and it's growing. This gas shortage problem is legit and real and can be dangerous. And the issue is not, well, Joe Biden did this or that. No. Joe Biden's policies are responsible for the increase in gas prices, which have gone up over a dollar, at least in parts of the Midwest. Right. Uh, the the issue is not the that the Biden administration did anything particularly wrong that we know of yet in regards to the cyber attack on this group, Colonial Pipeline, which runs the pipeline that connects parts of Texas to New Jersey and provides the refined product, gasoline and heating oil, among other things, across, uh, up in, uh, along the East Coast. Seventy percent of the gas stations in Charlotte are without gas, over 40 percent in Atlanta. They're feeling it in Florida. My brother's online for gas. My parents can't get it. They live in the Atlanta area. My parents are moving to Florida. And, and the plan was they were driving down tomorrow to close on their house. Uh, they can't drive down. They can't guarantee that there will be a gas station that's around. So uh, they're going to do the closing uh, online. Hooray for Zoom, I guess. But the question will be, how does the administration respond to these things? I've gone over this today, right? How does the administration go about responding to a a, uh, cyber uh, hack from a group they know is based in Russia? And you know me, respond with force to the point where Vladimir Putin says, whoa, 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 what just happened? Literally scare the man. Don't tell me he wrestles bears. I'm not interested. He sends you a picture of himself bare-shirted, right? You, you show a picture of Joe Biden putting on the aviators. Oh, yeah, he will wet himself, fall right into the fetal position. Or you decide, you know what? We'll come from over the top. We'll drop a couple of bombs. You figure out what to do. That's where we thought the cyber attack was coming from. Producer Ari is laughing at me. Oh, you don't know where it came from. You're not sure. How would you know? That's not my point. I'm okay with not knowing. I want Vladimir Putin to know that we're willing to do anything. Our, Our intelligence, because of your cyber hacks, is so bad, we're not sure, but we had an idea and we went with it. I want the people of Russia to live in fear and put pressure on Vladimir Putin to stop the hacking. That's my strategy. If somebody else has another strategy, I'm listening. This is the problem with, 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 with these people. They always have a reason why you can't do something, why we can't do something. They've always got a reason. But they're not legitimate. They're not serious. I'm solving problems, baby. They're allowing the problem to exacerbate. They're allowing the problem to continue. This brings us to Liz Cheney, who today was voted out of leadership in the Republican Party. And Liz Cheney did not go quietly by any stretch of uh, the imagination. And this was her after the vote to remove her from leadership. Remember, she's still a member of Congress. She got voted by the people of Wyoming. 
She's no longer in leadership. Conference meeting. Uh, I uh, am absolutely committed, as I said last night, uh, as, as I said just now to my colleagues, uh, that we must go forward uh, based on truth. We cannot both uh, embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. And going forward, uh, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. Uh, the nation needs a party that uh, that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. And I am committed and dedicated to ensuring uh, that that's how this party goes forward. And I plan to lead the fight to do that. I agree about the fundamentals of conservatism. Do we agree on what those are? First, may I say that the use of the term big lie is so despicable that it's hard to have respect for you. Second, I don't care if she's in leadership or not. I am not one of the people radically angry at Liz Cheney. I don't I don't even understand it. But I have an incredible disagreement with Representative Cheney regarding this concept. I do not. I think that uh, it is uh, an indication of where the Republican Party is, uh, and I think that the party uh, is in a place that we've got to bring it back from, and we've got to get back to a position where uh, we are a party that can fight for conservative principles, that can fight for substance. We cannot be dragged backward uh, by uh, the very dangerous lies of a former president. Thank Thank you. And then she walked away, and that was that. If this is what you're focused on, may I suggest you're doing it wrong. And may I suggest that when after this press conference, you immediately go to your office where you have a sit-down interview with Savannah Guthrie of NBC, you are saying to millions of Republicans, well, I guess she really is a, a, a worthless rhino. It's what you said. Because perception is is, is politics, and you don't understand that NBC hates you. And so does CNN. And so do all these other people who are right now telling you how strong and how brave you are. You have a theory. I didn't tell you not to have the theory. You stood up for your theory, and you lost your leadership position. Okay. Well, that happens. By the way, uh, what martyr exists that didn't get a little bit of blood on their clothes? This is what you believed in. This is what you wanted to stand up for. And, of course, you made it about the thing that it's not. I will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, We have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution. Uh, And I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to to the Constitution. This is just a mistake. I right now have a party in power that doesn't believe in the Second Amendment, that aggressively wants to curtail the First Amendment, that doesn't have a way of responding to threats around the globe, and has used the same quote-unquote rhetoric that Donald Trump used in talking about fighting like hell. 
If Donald Trump wants to sit at Mar-a-Lago and talk about a stolen election, you're a member of Congress. What are you paying attention for? Focus on your issues. Does it matter what he says? It's like these people have never figured out how to deal with the former president. I have made the argument many times. I make it now. I am not an idolater. The idea of hating Trump is so radically inept as to be believed. But I am not interested in much in as much as the man as I am in what the man has to teach. Because every time we get into the idea of idols, we fail. For years, it was all about Reagan, the next Reagan. We need another Reagan. We need the next Reagan. Now you're taking every candidate, you're comparing them to the ghost of a dead man. How does that work out? How do you win? Everyone has to be the next Trump. Hasn't anyone figured out you can't be the next Trump? You better damn well be you. You better be you, man. How are you going to be that guy? That guy is that guy. You can't be that guy. He has made an entire living out of being that guy. If anything, you are just a cheap imitation that gets hired for kids' birthday parties. Oh, I got this Trump imitator. Oh, I found him on Craigslist. Only have to let him stay in the basement for three days. That's what you're doing. Look, it's like the world of radio. Rush Limbaugh passes away. You really think someone out there is like, oh yeah, I'm the next Rush. What are you, a schmuck? No, you're not. Wait, radio stations are actually looking for that? Holy cow, radio is kind of doomed. Liz Cheney isn't smart enough to know that you don't sit there and go over somebody who isn't your issue when you've got issues in front of you? You aren't should be pressing on Trump. Trump violated the Constitution. He did? I'll tell you Trump did things I didn't like. And on January 6th, he didn't clear the Capitol. And I got serious problems with that. Well, Tony, these were just Americans fighting for what they saw as right. You listen to me very carefully. It was a riot. And if we're going to put down riots, we're going to put down riots. And you can have a disagreement with Donald Trump about that. But what is Liz Cheney doing thinking that focusing on Trump is the way to save the conservatives? Those things don't connect. I can't believe I'm up against time. Ah, You know what? I'm going to get into more of this this week. And the people who go down the Never Trump road who don't understand why there's not a place for them in conservative and Republican circles. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Consumer prices increased 4.2% in April compared to prices a year ago. This is a real, real issue. Inflation growth, which means you're going to have to raise interest rates to, to deal with that. Enter Paul Krugman. A guy who calls himself an economist and actually got an Academy Academy Award, a Nobel Prize, 
Well, it was acting, so it might as well be an Academy Award. He got himself a Nobel Prize in economics. This is the guy who said the internet would be uh, a fad and not uh, and have no bigger effect than the fax machine. Actually said that. Here's his tweet. So the inflation report was a nothing burger, but it was sort of a White Castle slider. Not a very big deal. So the inflation report wasn't a nothing burger, but it was sort of a White Castle slider. Not a very big deal. Um, gas prices, as we've talked about, up a buck. Uh, consumer pricing raising up over 4%, which is real dollars. Gallup reported one in five Americans already reported struggling to afford food at some point in the last 12 months. The, the disconnect between the people in the faculty lounge and the people who live in real life is quite incredible. It is incredible to see these people not be able to to recognize their failings, to recognize their miss. And it, and it comes from a real and total hatred of people. Here is Reuters. U.S. April consumer prices jumped 0.8%, a larger than expected increase amid booming demand from a reopening economy. Wait, 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 wait. Is your argument that the economy's opened up and so therefore prices have gone up? This is a weird argument to make. Are you making the argument that inflation is a good thing? Now, I will tell you, I am one of the people who have taken a look at the interest rates and the Fed setting it at that 0 to 0.25% and said, this is artificially low. Artificially low from the Fed. But remember, the Fed doesn't actually play by any level of market rules. The Fed plays by its own rules. The Fed, the Federal Reserve, 1913, was created to try and put an end to the wild swings and gesticulations of the market, and they have never once done their job successfully. Never once, never ever. Oh, I'd be fine with getting rid of the Fed. I am one of those, for sure. So I argue for uh, a, an increase in, in the interest rate. I can understand it because right now it's, it's in this artificial place. But if I use my own logic against me, why in the world would I argue for an increase in, in, the, in the interest rate? It's set artificially. If I'm changing it, isn't that artificial? So leave it at, at where it is and move on, right? I, I just played both sides of that coin, that we set it at something artificial, and if we change it to something that we would think is rational, wouldn't that still be artificial? But that we would argue that inflation is good because we have a rebounding economy is is very peculiar. Very, very, very peculiar. Strange that people would go down this road. But this is what happens when you are not honest, you are ideological. And the only thing you have to do is to protect and defend Joe Biden from those wascally Republicans. And that's what they're doing, including lying to you about economics. But we have the tweet of the day from Israeli Defense Forces. At least it's attributed to Israeli Defense Forces. And they're talking about, of course, the attacks going on in Israel right now by Hamas, a terrorist organization. 
Our fighter jets with the ISA neutralized key figures of Hamas's intelligence. Hassan Kogi, head of the Hamas military intelligence security department, and his deputy, uh, Wael Issa, head of the military intelligence counter espionage department. And they finish it off with, looks like our intel was better. That's just, that's just brutal right there. I don't think this fighting in Israel is done. If you missed any part of my interview with Aviv Ezra, the Council General to the Midwest, you'll find it at TonyKatz.com. Be sure to get the podcast and support what it is we're doing. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.